Think you're diversified because you own index funds? Well, guess what? Think again. One recent MarketWatch piece shows exactly how surprisingly undiversified you are. And the problem? Well, it's only getting worse. We're tackling that with our friend Andy Hill from Marriage, Kids, and Money on today's Money with Friends. Welcome to Money with Friends, coming to you from outside Detroit, Michigan, where we make the Stacky Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Salcihi. And just down the street and outside of Detroit, <laughs> Michigan, I'm Andy Hill from the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast. This is the show where we open the news and dive in with financial thought leaders from all walks of life. And today, Andy and I are tackling a piece from MarketWatch. That's what we're going to be focusing on. We'll not only read a little bit of it to you, like some podcasts, but we'll talk about why it's important to you and your wallet. Big thanks to Round for supporting Money with Friends in 2020. Round's a digital consultant that gets members direct access to premium investments with round your money's actively invested with wall street's top fund managers open a round account today to access forbes number one rated app for high-end investment management head to investround.com forward slash mwf for more we've got andy hill my neighbor and the guy i play board games with but more important than that he's the host of the marriage kids money podcast how are you man I am great, my friend. We were just talking about, you know, how pretty lazy we are that we didn't make it down the street to talk to each other. But I'm so glad to be here and talk to you about money. I'm glad to be one of those friends that you like to talk about money well, with. Well, it is, it is so fun. You were on a special episode that we aired this week, right around Christmas Day. Uh, you and Chris Mamula and I had a had a really cool discussion. Uh, but tell the few people that didn't hear that one what Marriage, Kids, and Money is all about. Yeah, Marriage, Kids, and Money is a weekly podcast, and it's all focused on helping young families build wealth and thrive, because I have a young family, and I wanted to figure that out. So I started interviewing people and learning how to do that myself, and I've learned a lot in the process. So come and listen at marriagekidsandmoney.com, and uh, I'm on all major podcast players, Apple Podcasts, any of the other ones you listen through. And yeah, we have a lot of fun in there, interviewing really smart people who've paid off their mortgage or become financially independent or became a young millionaire. It's just a lot of fun to listen to these people and get inspired on how to do the same thing for your family. It is. It is so cool. And uh, people can tune into that next. But right now, you and I, we're going to talk about diversification. Let's see which one of our friends is going to help us kick off today's show. This is Andy from the Inspired Money Podcast. Just like hanging out and chatting about the news, that's why I tune in to Money with Friends. All right. We're going to kick off my part of the new year. I know Bobby and the Debt Free Guys kicked off 2020, but Andy and I, we're going to talk about this piece from MarketWatch written by Andrea Require. Uh, these two stocks dominated the S&P 500 returns in 2019 and the decade. This uh, cut me by surprise. The two stocks, Andrea writes, that contributed the most to 2019's total stock market returns also hold that position for the entire decade. While it's fun to look at how the overall composition of the top 10 co contributors has changed, with the noticeable shift from the energy sector to finance, for example, it's perhaps more interesting to note the enduring heft of Apple and Microsoft for investors the two companies didn't just dominate, they actually intensified their hold over the past decade, moving from a share of 8.45% of the total S&P 500 return over the decade to 14.8% over the last 12 months through December 27th, according to data compiled by Howard Silverblatt, senior index analyst at S&P Dow Jones Indices. 
As Barron's noted, the two tech giants are the only companies with valuations of more than $1 trillion. Rounding out the top 10 contributors to return since 2009, Home Depot, Pfizer, J.P. Morgan Chase, Chevron, Berkshire Hathaway. And for the past year, that also includes MasterCard, Visa, uh, Bank of America, AT&T, and Alphabet Inc., our buddies with Google. And Apple and Microsoft weren't the only stocks intensifying their hold over the market. The top 10 contributors made up about 19.6% of the total stock market return over the decade, but 29.5% over the past year. So that's 30% of the S&P 500. I think that's a great place to start our conversation. Did you find that surprising? I found it very surprising. I actually had not read that article and it kind of blew me away a little bit, especially somebody who invests in in an index fund that's got total stock market value. I don't do that. I don't know if I do the S and P five hundred or the total stock market. I got to look. I I pretty much signed into Vanguard right after I started reading that article, so I got to check out where I'm lying with this thirty <laughs> percent. But even it's funny. Even if you own like the total stock market index, like a lot of people do, you still have very few stocks you'll find that dominate uh, where your portfolio goes. And it's and it's funny. I mean, I love I love diversification. I love indexing. I think it's a fantastic way for people to invest, um, especially people that don't want to get their hands dirty, right? And it's so hard to even try to beat the market. Um, it, it it seems to make a lot of sense, but I I really I really think it's important for people to realize that on those days that Apple goes down, you're probably you're, you're probably going down too. Yeah, it's the uh, the old adage. What do they say? You know, if you you work for a company, you don't want to buy all the stock or have all the stock in that one company. This is kind of like we're working for Apple and we're working for Microsoft because we own so much of that company. So if things go down in there, yeah, we're we're in trouble. That's funny. People don't think of it that way. I like the way that you stated that, Andy, because I think that you know when I was a financial planner, a lot of people talked about stocks like they were magic. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't throw money in the stock market. They say, yeah. or like it just magically goes up and down. Or I'm afraid of losing a lot of money. But I think what people have to realize is that if the economy is going to continue, and and uh, businesses continue to make money, you actually own these companies, which means that uh, your your money will go up with inflation. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you you you, t- you think well, you think about like the Enron crisis or one of these big ones where you where you owned so much of the stock and then it went away and everybody was kind of holding the bag. I mean, I hope that's not where we're headed, but. If they keep selling those AirPods, I think we'll just be totally fine. Because <laughs> actually, I read that. I read that. I think that was a, um, a Forbes or a Fortune piece saying that if AirPods were their own company, they would be ranked like 380 in the S and P 500. That's incredible. So, so it's incredible. Yeah, they beat they beat out companies like Twitter or Symantec just based on their gross profits alone. So I mean, Apple's doing great work, but man, they better keep selling those those AirPods. I, I still can't be. Br- br- I can't bring myself to buy a set of those. I know. I haven't bought them either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But I did buy another set of corded ones because I lose like, I think one a week. So I, there you go. I, well, I mean, that's probably why they're making so much money because they keep, people keep losing them. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I'd be curious. We do this live in front of a Facebook audience and for people who are hanging out with us. I'm curious how many people do the one index fund approach. Like uh, it says in a simple path to wealth, a uh, uh, great book written by a guy named JL Collins. Um, because if you own one index, 
the own one index, you really are susceptible to the, this fact that even though you think you own 2,000 different companies, 30% of it, 30% of your holdings may be just a few companies, and you, you may not know that. So I'm curious how many people are actually doing that. I actually, Andy, think that it's probably, well, let me ask you first, do, do, do you use just one index? No, I mean I have a, a a breakdown of and it's it's largely uh US equities, but I also get into small cap, I get into international equities, uh bonds and then REITs as well. So just kind of diversifying across these different platforms to help me have some of that diversification, but still, I mean based on if and if I'm not rebalancing, which I got to check on every once in a while to make sure because there's these huge market swings. Even if I feel like I have a good diversification across my portfolio, if I'm not rebalancing, it can be heavily uh, weighted towards that uh, U.S. equity side of things. So yeah, no, I, I do a little bit of diversification, obviously, um, but uh, yeah, got to make sure I rebalance too. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that's why I that's why I espouse that uh, much more than one uh, having one index because of the fact that if we want true diversification, having some money that's not just based in, in largely in the U.S. and don't get me wrong, I understand that the S and P five hundred has a lot of international exposure, right? A lot of these are global companies. Total yeah. stock market index is going to have a lot of international companies there too. But I like having a little bit heavier diversification in international and a little bit heavier in uh, S and P, or excuse me, in in small companies, than what I would get if I just had the total stock market index. So, yeah, I like what my mom says. She says, you know, Joe, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. So I don't <laughs> want to say it's bad to do one index fund, but if you really want diversification, probably having three, four, five funds. Yeah, having a little, having it broken up a little bit uh, can help, especially as things start to make changes and we don't know where it's going obviously this year has been a fantastic year just ended up it was high 20 percent you know for s&p it was insane but yeah we don't know where it's going absolutely we we've got uh, people commenting that are hanging out with us here on facebook by the way if you want to hang out while we make the show head to facebook.com forward slash iStack benjamins justin's with us he said uh it was good just to start so when he started he had one index fund but then he sold that and has a very diverse portfolio now i think it i I think that makes a lot of sense. If, if, if you have one fund when you first start out, and let's say you've got $1,000 total in that fund, if you lose 20%, you're losing 200 bucks. Now, I'm not saying that $200, I would still feel a pit in my stomach if I lost 200 bucks, but it becomes a much different game, Andy, when you, instead of 1,000, you have 10,000, 100,000, you know, your first million dollars. Now you lose 20%. <laughs> nice. Imagine losing $200,000 from your portfolio. Well, maybe I'll be the devil's advocate for you here then. So if, if, if I've got a, a strong hold on the roller coaster though, what's the big deal then if it just comes back up in a couple of, couple of years? Well, A, we don't, there's never an assurance when it will come up, right? And your goals have, should have a finite time frame. So the question is, is how far away is your goal? Cause I'm with you. Sure. If, if, it, and, and this is the thing. So in the Simple Path to Wealth, JL Collins talks about putting money in, in that one fund. That actually isn't horrible. Um, and it will, to your point, Andy, it will get you there, right? The problem, I believe, is that so few people know how undiversified you really are in that fund that you don't realize what the swings are going to be when the market really starts moving. And and I think very strongly that people will blow themselves up. I mean, people, mm. people will buy one fund and they will blow themselves up when the volatility hits in the market. And if you've, you'll still have volatility if you have four index funds. But um, 
but the big thing is your behavior, like making sure that you stick with your plan. And I think having, having more than one makes a lot of sense for, for, for that purpose. Sure. And having a good financial advisor or even just a good podcast to listen to like money with friends, keep you on task to make sure you don't jump off the roller coaster. (laughs) Good work there. I almost didn't even see you do that. Uh, uh, Dylan hanging out with us today. Dylan says he does have the total market in his IRA, but he's going to add REITs, S&P 500, blue chip growth, international developing in 401k. Yeah, makes sense, I think, to have to have a little more. Uh, Michael's with us, says, has the total market index is the base. About 70% of holdings uh, diversify broadly from there. So I'm assuming that Michael's saying that beyond that has uh, has has more after 70%. Um Interesting thing here. In in just a second, Andy and I are going to have our big takeaways from from this piece. But first, while I give Andy a few minutes to think about what he's going to say there, I want to talk just briefly about Round. Uh, big thanks to them again for sponsoring today's show. Uh, let's take a second here and talk about how you're managing your money right now. Lots of people think about doing the right thing. But as we were talking about on this particular episode, their actual portfolio could probably use some work. That's where Round comes in. Round's a digital investment consultant that gets members direct access to premium investments. With Round, your money's actively invested with Wall Street's top fund managers. That means investing with fund managers who can strategically reallocate your money during market volatility. They also get your money exposure to alternative asset classes, the ones you've been meaning to invest in, but haven't had time to research. Instead of dealing with uh, a financial advisors looking out just for their own bottom line round is looking out for yours this i find very compelling this surprised the heck out of me andy round waives their fee if your returns are negative in a given month that's how sure they are open a round account today to access forbes number one rated app for high-end investment management head to investround.com forward slash mwf for details and how to get started that's investround.com forward slash mwf thanks to them for helping us podcast all right, it's Andy. money where your mouth is, right? That's absolutely. <laughs> I was so surprised. It's funny. When I was a financial planner, uh, people would always ask me, they'd say, so if I buy this fund, do I have to pay the fee even when I lose money? And the answer is, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. yes. That's the way Wall Street works. Yes. You still have to pay them a fee, uh, but wow. not with round. Good All right. So you ready to do this? What's your big takeaway I'm from ready. this piece? Well, I would say my big takeaway is that even though if I'm an investor in the S&P 500 index, it feels like I have 500 different companies that I'm diversified against. But if 10 of them are taking up 30% of, uh, I guess, what it is, then how diversified am I really? That's kind of my takeaway. And it's going to it's going to have me look at my portfolio after this conversation, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it. I think there's nothing wrong with indexing. I also uh, don't think that if you have just one index, it's the end of the world. But I do think that understanding what's inside of your index fund and knowing that there are very few stocks at the top that actually do a good portion of the work, I think knowledge is power. And it's almost like, even though I'm not the one flying the plane, uh, once I found out how, how airplanes worked, uh, a little bit, playing a little bit of flight simulator uh, on my computer, instead of being really afraid every time the, the you know the plane banked or I saw the flaps come down or heard the either landing gear come up or landing gear go down, once I knew a little bit about how that worked, when when the ride got bumpy, I understood it and I felt much calmer. 
And I think that nothing goes well if you start to panic and, and knowing how your index works, I think is a big piece of that. So that's my takeaway very much like yours. Andy, tell us what's coming up on marriage, kids and money. Oh, excellent. Well, heading into 2020, I am very excited that uh, the show is going to be going to two days a week. Uh, I'm very excited. That's about so awesome. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. It's, it's a big leap for me. I've done the show for about three years, one day a week, and I'm really excited to bring it twice a week. Um, going forward, we're going to be doing a monthly segment called Mortgage Freedom, where I invite on a, a listener or a family that's been you know, tuning into the podcast uh, over the past couple of years that wants to share how they've paid off their mortgage and how they did it and what they are going to do now that they do not have a mortgage in their life. And I'm very inspired by those stories and because it creates a sense of freedom that's really exciting for families. And I'm looking forward to sharing those this year. Maybe, and I just came up with this, maybe you could have those people come on and do something I just thought of called a debt-free yell. Like they could mm. they could yell that they're that they're free of debt. <laughs> Wouldn't that be good? I like how you. I like how you called it a yell. That's a great. That's a great. You know, just using different words. I like that a lot. It's fantastic. <laughs> nobody's doing it's that. Genius. How come no, nobody's nobody doing is that? doing? Doing yes. nobody's doing the yell. Right? You're right. There it is. <laughs> hey, Dave in Tennessee. Uh, hey, thanks to everybody who hung out with us uh, uh, today as we make uh, uh, this podcast. Thanks to everybody who is uh, listening to our show. Thanks to everybody who has left us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Uh, big, big thanks. On behalf of Andy Hill, I'm Joe Salcihi. Andy and I will be back again tomorrow with more Money with Friends. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Cihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2019. Taylor Eichenberg engineered this show and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of our friends who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other video or podcast without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends.